Welcome to the final best of series for the Urban Property Investor. Today's episode first featured as episode 50. It is my favorite episode of 2021 and it would not be a best of series unless I kind of included something which I absolutely love. I first named this episode how to create long-term wealth, but I've had to think about it. And it's really about megatrends, especially going into 2022. On this episode, I discuss what it means for property investors into the future and how wealth creation is going to be reframed as we drift into a new economy. Capital growth is soon going to be very niche once again in real estate. And if you don't follow some of the mega trends that are unfolding at a global scale, you're going to be left behind. COVID-19 has promoted the most profound social and spatial change in living memory. So we are going to need to take on board what is unfolding inside the real estate economy. I'm going to talk to you about how the world is being unpacked in this episode. Now, I guess, look, anyone's been to, uh, I don't know, Surface Paradise lately. Holy cow. If you want to take maybe the, uh, you know, gopniks of society and put them in one spot, it would have to be Surface Paradise. It is one of the weirdest places I think I've ever been to. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today shows a code cracker, that's for sure. We're going to dig into some mega trends that you need to know to get capital growth in the future. Capital growth is going to be niche in real estate. And if you don't start to concentrate on some of the mega trends which are filtering through the globe, think you're going to be left behind when it comes to getting capital growth from real estate. Today, we're going to analyze some real estate, talk about some mega trends, and tactfully make our way through this thing called wealth creation. And of course, COVID-19 arguably will promote the most profound social and spatial change in living memory. Things are going all sorts of directions. And I want to talk about those directions. I'm a big advocate of discussing urban change, urban landscape change, what is going to be popular, what is not going to be popular. So today's show is certainly a doozy. Uh, If it's your first time tuning in, welcome aboard to the Urban Property Investor. I always recommend people play the show in double speed get your life back, knock me over in 20 minutes and go and have a fluffy duck. Tell you what, uh, I am doing today's podcast basically like a cripple. I am so sore. Just got back from mountain biking and I tell you what, it's been a, a long time between mountain biking drinks, so to speak, about a month and I am bloody sore. Tell you what, uh, out on the track, I was a disaster. Yes, a dismal performer today. I got overtaken by a mother and her three ducklings. 
eight-year-olds basically overtook me on the track. I was a shameful rider. In fact, my friends uh, have been paying me out all day, but I do advocate my – I had something wrong with my brake. I was, was uh, I don't know, clamping my wheel. So I feel like I've been pedaling uphill. But I guess a lot of people often feel like they pedal uphill and that's why we talk about wealth. And today's show is very much about wealth, urbanity, transformation and mega trends. Now, I like to teach seven plans when it comes to wealth through real estate. Plan number one, capital growth plan. Number two, rental growth plan. Number three, tax minimization plan. Four, debt reduction plan. Five, buying power plan. Six, retirement lifestyle plan, which is things like uh, insurances, wills, and of course, plan number seven, wealth acceleration through the trifecta of real estate, which includes speculation assets. It includes buy and hold real estate, and of course, cash flow real estate or cash flow dividends. So today, we're going to pull out a piece of that pie of those seven big parts of the puzzle. We're going to talk about capital growth. We're going to talk about really some of the biggest transformations which are occurring, creating capital growth. And really, a lot of it is to do with real estate spatial patterns changing. So we're going to talk about some mega trends. I know uh, on this show over the last sort of 12 months or so, I've covered a few of these mega trends. But Uh, we're going to continue to talk about them because they are vitally important to property investors. So some of the mega trends we've done uh, this year or touched on this year have included climate change mega trends and how that affects property investment, the inequality divide occurring in society and how that does affect property investment, technology and the knowledge economy and how that affects property investment. Uh, we are going to touch on today mega trend around health and well-being and urbanization. So, if you don't know what a mega trend actually is, a mega trend is a a shift in behaviour or attitude that has a real global reach and a global reach across industries. And I like to summarise it that. If you want to become wealthy out of anything, business, property, shares, whatever it may be, understanding what consumers actually want is probably the first step. If you can absolutely grasp where consumer habits are going, you're going to be able to make money. And most of society is asleep to the mega trends which are unfolding in society. And I think if you can start to bet on the megatrends, you're fundamentally betting on what consumers actually want. Remember, the biggest megatrends, urbanization, technology, climate change, uh, inequality, longevity and health. There is another one known as international mobility, which is really the idea that today if we can have international transferable skills, it is a trend. In other words, you might get a degree in London, but use that degree in New York. Um, it is a, a mobile international mega trend to 
uh, learn and use skills that are transferable. So the big trends I think today we're going to talk about in today's show really do pertain to longevity, health, and urbanization. COVID-19 will not stop urbanization, but it is going to make us think absolutely harder about where we want to live. And this in itself, to me, is the most amazing opportunity when it comes to real estate investment for many people who are yet to become real estate investors. The fact that you can shape your real estate around megatrends absolutely is a competitive advantage. And there are some great companies that focus in on the idea of understanding really these megatrends across the globe. I like the work of Urbis. They do some great work when it comes to understanding the idea around what society is going to be look like. Today on this show, I want to talk about spatial distribution. Yes, how life is organized on earth. Spatial distribution. If you've not heard of that term before, it is really a fantastic geography term when it comes to real estate because spatial distribution really is the game of real estate. Of course, spatial distribution can be understood at a more global level. For example, uh, there really is generally no such thing as a landlocked wealthy country. They tend to be less wealthy than countries that have seaports. Uh, there is really no thing as a rich rural economy. Generally today, economies that have a blend of both rural, mining, and of course, uh, financial hubs through cities tend to be the richest. Spatial patterns are important to the way the earth is run. Uh, 20 years ago, China had a one-child policy. This was a spatial pattern, how many people could be put into the landmass of China. I believe things have changed. But today, the spatial patterns of people and place are so important to the success of property investment. Australia has some very interesting spatial distribution occurring. For example, we have the 12th highest cost of living here in Australia. Uh, Sydney is today the second most expensive city in the world. We are rather fat people. Yes, we are the fifth most obese people in the world. Uh, we have a real inefficient transport system ranked uh, 48th in the world, with Brisbane being our best transport city. And a lot of people take a lot of time to get around this rather large landmass, which is obviously Australia. It is not a fast place to live, a mobile uh, country. We don't have the Shinkansen. We don't have fast trains. And actually, when we look at what is unfolding as a megatrend with one of those megatrends being climate change, probably one of the biggest, Australia is actually a market loser 
when it comes to how carbon is run in Australia. In fact, we are one of the worst carbon emitters in the world. And it's easy to understand why, because Australia has a lot of its economy linked around fossil fuels. We're not Germany. We're not England. Uh, And of course, we argue quite strongly in favour of, you know, a balanced approach to all of this kind of stuff, how the world order is organised, spatial distribution. However, uh, certainly things are changing around the world and these influencers really can absolutely help property investors make smart decisions. Now, let's face it, COVID-19 is an amazing gift for property investors to restart in a new cycle and also buy the right assets because of what it's done to spatial change and what people want in society, it is a real gift to make sure you're buying the right properties. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about what that might actually look like. But it's fair to say we are now living in a period of contagion. Coronavirus is not going away. Uh, If anything, it is, again, creating so much fuss in society that all sorts of things are, you know, unfolding. People are pro-vaccination, anti-vaccination. People are, um, you know, uh, happy to get the virus. Other people aren't. Um, Travel, movement, everything is so much connected to this thing called coronavirus. And it is absolutely behaviorally changing how we think about what we want in this world. Now, remember, by the end of this podcast, around 8,000 people will have moved to a city somewhere in the world. We are being nudged to create our own desire lines. Uh, By the end of today, there will be another 96,000 houses built somewhere in the world. By the end of the week, 3 million more people would have migrated into an urban landmass Every three minutes and 55 seconds here in Australia, we need a new property to house our population. Um, We are growing. You know, people are having families. People are uh, also trying to, you know, come to this country and expats are flowing back as as fast as they can to once again kickstart Australia. And as we allude to, by mid-century, over 40 million people will live in Australia. It will be around that mark. And of course, coronavirus is meddling with that a little bit. But absolutely, we're going to add another 15-odd million people to our population base. The way the world is being created is really a big, 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 I guess, uh, opportunity for people to make investment decisions. For example, one-fifth of all cars rolling out of German car production today are actually hybrid or electric. We are seeing a big transformation on what people will drive, and of course that's going to have an effect on how people design their homes into the future. Today in Glasgow, uh, the 
uh, government there is creating a massive urban forest consisting of 18 million trees. Over the next decade, Glasgow is creating an urban forest to be one of the greenest cities in the world. Again, what does that do to the real estate market of Glasgow? All of a sudden, it is the green place to live. Because climate change is a mega trend and because some cities around the world are acting on that, all of a sudden the investment proposition of that city actually increases. 60 organisations, including companies like Coles, Woolworths, Nestle, Coca-Cola, have signed the Australian-New Zealand Pact to get rid of plastic by 2025. Again, you can see these megatrends are nudges and human beings get nudged from this stuff. It might not feel like it links to property investment, but it very much does. Because all of a sudden, when we are taught to go in a certain direction, a certain desire line, we start to behave that way. Uh, Around the globe, all of a sudden, things are morphing. Ampol, for example, just bought Caltex here in Australia and is designing to have basically service stations with electric car stations and 40% of what it will, uh, you know, I guess, output will be renewable energy. It is creating some fast charges so that people can charge their car and have a quick service at the station that they go to here in Australia. This stuff is redefining what it means to be a property investor in Australia. Remember, this is the big, big lesson I want you to understand from today's podcast. Our cities are where COVID-19 will promote the most profound social and spatial change. Now, I always teach this on this podcast. I teach it to my students. I teach it to everybody. We have a choice as property investors to buy all across Australia and New Zealand. We could go to a dying town like Broken Hill and pick up a property for a can of Coke. But Is Broken Hill mission fit for the future of our retirement? What about if we ducked off to, I don't know, um, Orange? Is Orange mission fit for our retirement? Is Bendigo mission fit for our retirement? Is Cairns mission fit? Darwin? Alice Springs? Are these places mission fit for our retirement? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves as a property investor. Australia has two global cities, Melbourne and Sydney, two new world cities, Brisbane and Perth. You've heard me talk about that. They are very mission fit and capable areas for property investors. We have some smaller cities, Gold Coast, Hobart, Adelaide, Newcastle, Canberra, uh, Toowoomba, Wollongong, Geelong, Launceston, less mission fit, but potentially if we can buy the right property in the right mission fit suburb, we can do okay from it. So how do we rank a city for future investment? Well, uh, 
Urbis has come out with a great way to understand this. It's called the Mission Fit Score. The Mission Fit uh, Scoreboard combines basically metrics on how to predict how a city will perform in the future. Basically, they are factors that underpin the city's future, its competitiveness, its resilience, and its livability. And again, I think some of the idea around choosing a mission fit city is so important to property investors. It's so important to your retirement. Do you really want to wake up in a marketplace in retirement that is not a competitive city? And a lot of this stuff, I think, sort of doesn't rub off on people because over the last 30 years, we've been fairly blessed in Australia to not run into too many headwinds. But if you talk to people from all pockets of the world, real estate does not always go up in value. And certainly real estate has had some serious corrections across the world. So mission fit to me is so important because what it is saying is that city is fit for the mega trends of the future. Now, to define what mission fit actually is, there is six subgroups, people, planet, performance, positivity, power, and place, the six Ps. So people, obviously, is about talent and skill. Does a city have A-grade people or uh, Gopniks walking around the city, basically, uh, you know, going to Hungry Jack's? What does the city actually look like? And I think it's a big conversation piece because people and their diversity of skills and their talent and their social capital is what actually a city is about. Not so much just the place. The people are vitally important. And I often say this to property investors, you're investing in people as much as you are investing in place. Obviously, the planet itself is all about a megatrend. The megatrend is climate change. How does one city react to climate change over another? We saw the Glasgow effect. How are cities shaping themselves up to be renewable? And again, some of our biggest cities are scoring really well when it comes to this idea that consciously people are going to care about this stuff and as such, they will want to be associated with it. Performance really does rate a link to GDP and GDP is uh, again the idea that the collective group of people in society earns a certain amount of money and that money is going to grow and develop. And again, some cities around Australia just won't develop and people within them won't get paid well and people who own investments there won't be putting up rents because the economic development of those cities has a very limited performance level. Positivity is the idea that the city carries a brand, it is attracting confidence, it is attracting business, it is getting visitors, it has vitality. Power is the idea that 
there is a long range vision for the city. In other words, people are planning something. They are moving the cheese. And a lot of, I guess, regional communities, there is no plan. People can't tell me what the roadmap is for the bush. What is the plan for the bush? The national party which represents the bush can't even tell you what the plan is for the bush. No one knows. So am I putting my money in the bush? Absolutely not. And place is vitally important. The public realm, the vitality and culture of a, of a city. Does it have great open space? Does it have events programs? Is it walkable? Does it have great streetscapes? Does it have a nighttime economy? Does it have cultural depth? These are the things which are very important for property investors to look for. And the reason I choose larger cities to invest in at this point, because they're not as, uh, you know, they're, they're within reach to still buy real estate in, particularly your Melbournes, your Brisbane's, your Perths, your Canberra's, these places are still affordable, maybe just a tad more expensive than some of the regional cities that get a very low mission fit score. Is our productivity per capita is declining. In other words, per capita is made up of the people and what they earn. People are earning less. And as such, we are not seeing a rise in the median level of economic growth for people. We're also starting to see Australians get older. And as such, we need a younger generation to come through to prop up the next older generation. This is not so much happening. And I talked about that in a recent podcast discussing the intergenerational report. Again, declining economic productivity is a real thing. So do I really want to follow a city with no mission fit score, knowing that one of the biggest trends inside of Australia is a falling productivity level? This is why we often are referring to the idea that more blue chip areas are just becoming more valuable because people in them are part of the non-decline in productivity unfolding in society. You know, uh, I think the reality is the mission fit score is critical to how real estate will operate into the future. Now, if we look at our major cities, let's look at the big four global and new world cities, and it's there is there is no uh, hidden agenda for me to tell you to buy in Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane. It is just simply they are a better fit for future economics. So, for example, Melbourne scores eighty two percent as a mission fit um, city. It is our highest scoring city. Sydney scores seventy five. Brisbane, 76, and Perth, 71%. Gold Coast scores 60%, and it gets uh, a much lower score for its people, its planet, and its place. So in other words, uh, the people inside the Gold Coast, and I'll probably offend people in the Gold Coast, are not 
uh, skilled to grow in the future economy. That's just the way the Gold Coast is at the moment based on current conditions. But people being educated in great jobs in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane are actually getting a really good mission fit score for future economics. And I guess, look, anyone's been to, uh, I don't know, Surface Paradise lately, holy cow. If you want to take maybe the, uh, you know, gopniks of society and put them in one spot, it would have to be Surface Paradise. It is one of the weirdest places I think I've ever been to. I recently stayed in the uh, Hilton up there and basically drug addicts, Kentucky Fried Chicken Eaters and Gopniks basically would come in and out of that place. It really blew my mind. And it's easy to see why the Gold Coast gets a subpar people score. And I know there are some places inside the Gold Coast which are booming. And I guarantee you they've just got a higher people score. Think Burley Heads. Other people in Burley Heads socially are more capable than the people inside of Surface. You could do a thesis on that and you would find that the capital growth of Burley Heads on the Gold Coast smashes Surface. Why? People. All of a sudden, the way a city is unfolding is vitally important. And to put in context, I guess, where Melbourne sits at 82%, London is 81%. This is their future mission fit score. They are, I've lived in London. It is a very innovative place. There is a lot of financial power. The world's banking system is based out of London. It is one of the first market movers when it comes to economic opportunity and it is scoring 81%. To put in perspective, Australian property investors absolutely have one of the best opportunities in the world to own real estate in world-class cities. Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, based on the mission fit score of being capable for the economy of tomorrow are well-placed. New York scores 75%. Uh, Think about that. Sydney scores 75% as well. Brisbane scores 76%. Brisbane is today more mission fit than New York. It's amazing to think like that. And you've got to understand, I guess, the jobs of tomorrow are a lot to do with what is going to be mission fit. Jobs of the future include things like creating uh, jobs around artificial intelligence, the green economy, uh, creative and professional services, advanced manufacturing, big data applications. Our cities are lining up to be world-class and as such will be a catchment of skill. And again, this is where you go to the mission fit score of Darwin, completely not up to the world-class level that Brisbane is or Melbourne is. Melbourne is 
our highest scoring at 82%. The benchmark in the world is Singapore at 85%. So we get to invest in great places where there's good people, planet, good performance, good prosperity, uh, the right level of power and place. This in itself to me is amazing. And today, Australia is creating what are known as Generation 6 Cities. Yes, Generation 6 Cities. What this ultimately means is people's spatial relationship with cities is changing. And we have gone through all sorts of relationships with cities over the last 2,000 years. You can go back to Generation 1 cities in, you know, Rome and Egypt and things like that. Generation 6 cities are about people integrating with places, integrating a good quality of life with global megatrends. That is how they are evolving. And really, people's relationship and the narrative around green economics and the narrative around good place. Again, COVID-19 will not stop urbanization, but it is going to make people think a lot harder as to where they want to live in this world. And when you think about that, livability is really the conversation of the great spatial redistribution of society. People want a good level of uh, opportunity, which, which they get in cities, but they also want now a good relationship with lifestyle. And this is where we're starting to see the suburbs which are stretching when it comes to capital growth being lifestyle suburbs. These are in hot demand right now. And we often refer to this as the Byron Bay effect. Today, uh, Byron Bay is really Australia's most expensive place to live. And it is expensive because it's beautiful but it actually gets a really capable mission fit score. People who move to Byron Bay are smart. They are part of the startup and scale up enterprises through digit the digital world, which are revolutionizing society. Byron Bay's prices are being driven by people wanting exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to a sixth-generation city. They want a great place to live. They want a great quality of life. They want to be globally competitive through their business models, and they're doing that by creating almost like a village of entrepreneurs. And, of course, they want to control the narrative around climate change and also control the narrative around being a specialist place. And when you think about what is occurring in Byron Bay, just think about what cities can actually pull that off because Byron Bay is a bit of an enigma. 
But absolutely, if we can learn from what is happening in that town, that all of a sudden it's the livable suburbs of our cities that really matter. Livability areas are being transformed the fastest and are reshaping the idea of what urbanity means. Remember, COVID-19 will promote the most profound social and spatial change in the history of real estate. Certainly over the last 40 years, since property investment has become a thing in Australia, this is the real change and transformation that property investors need to wake up to. Now, I put the change into four distinct emerging models of spatial distribution. I've talked about them on this podcast before, but I'll remind you of them. The 20-minute neighborhood, 20-minute living, behavioral livability economics, often what I call to as uh, the urban behavioral economy. The humanistic experience, what do people get to do in the neighborhood? Can they cycle? Can they walk? Can they catch a ferry? What is the humanistic experience of living in that suburb? Can they walk down to the park? Uh, And the mission fit capabilities of the place in the city. Four distinct models. 20-minute living, you've got to be able to live, work and play in the same place and uh, have lifestyle, wellness, and knowledge all within 20 minutes. Think of Byron Bay. It is a 20-minute city. It's a 20-minute town. Behavioral livability economics, the humanistic experience and mission-fit capabilities are all what is evolving to find areas in our cities which are going to become valuable. And I'll throw this one out there. Are property markets actually booming or is it actually livability markets that are booming? Spatial distribution is booming. And all that fundamentally means is people are upgrading their space. They are looking for an area, a 20-minute neighborhood. They're looking for a mission fit suburb, they're looking for behavioral livability, they're looking for humanistic activity. This is exactly what is unfolding inside our property market places. Now, you can go easily and find some scoring when it comes to livability and health for our suburbs. And I'm going to give you an example of where livability is booming. Now, reports have come out of recent time that Sydney is doing 15 to 20% capital growth this year. Over the last 12 months, really since uh, June 2020 to where we are today, we've been in a bit of a quasi-property boom. So it's fair to say Sydney has risen in value. But has every suburb in Sydney risen in value? Well, absolutely not. Let's go and look at some growth statistics of Rudy Hill. Rudy Hill is a suburb in Western Sydney. Um, If you walk through the suburb, there's Gopniks. Uh, If you're ever going to be robbed during the day, it's probably going to happen. 
in uh, Rudy Hill, you probably will get rolled if you're wearing a uh, nice pair of Nikes. Some Gopnik or Icy would love to take them off you. And again, this is a half-star wellness community. Its health and well-being score rating is extremely low. It is basically a have-not part of society. It is a part of society where you would not see a mega trend of people, of place, of prosperity. Uh, you would not find critical knowledge workers in Rudy Hill. So what has the growth rate been in Rudy Hill over the last 12 months? Well, the short answer is for houses, 2%. For apartments have gone backwards in a property boom at 1.2%. Uh, that is the real uh, example of what I'm talking about. There is no person waking up and going from a spatial distribution point of view, how the world is unfolding. Spatial distribution is just how the world is organized. No one is going, I want to be organized in Rudy Hill. And as such, we are now seeing two-speed growth occurring. If we go to Manly, which gets a five-star rating, remember Rudy Hill gets a uh, half-star rating. Manly, of course, everyone's been to Manly Beach. Manly is a great part of Sydney. It is a beautiful lifestyle uh, suburb. There is a lot of livability. It's more expensive than Rudy Hill. Uh, well, let's look at the capital growth over the last 12 months. Houses, 16%. Apartments, 9%. Uh, remember, Rudy Hill, 2% and basically negative 1%. Look at the last five years. The median house price of Manly has risen by 45.9%. Apartments have risen by 38.6%. Rudy Hill lost 13%. And apartments have gone up 14%. Big difference in the wealth which has been created from one suburb to the next. The spatial distribution is really what people are wanting. And I'd restate the question, are property markets booming? No. What is actually booming is spatial distribution. Spatial distribution to livable marketplaces. Now, they don't all have to be Manly Beach. Our job as a property investor is to find up-and-coming areas which are going to be influenced by people, planet, performance, positivity, power and place, mission, fit, suburbs. That is our job. And coronavirus has reminded us how livable neighbourhoods absolutely matter. And as such, everyone wants a piece of them. They are skyrocketing in value. And I would like to refer to them as doorstep real estate markets. You simply walk out your door and you're in the place you want to be. And think about it this way. If real estate could actually make you live longer or healthier, would you actually decide to buy it? And I think this is really what people are fighting over when it comes to spatial distribution. All of a sudden, 
the nudge theory of wellness and health and vitality is unfolding inside our cities. People are looking for walkable urbanism. They're looking for green space or open space, tree cover, active transport, how they can get around. People want to be able to walk or cycle to, uh, you know, their local community. And they're looking for access to things like fresh food and markets. And you're starting to see in the most livable suburbs, organic produce markets unfold most weekends. Uh, most people aren't shopping at Coles or Woolworths. They're shopping at organic markets in these places. You're seeing a great divide to where nudge theory is pushing people with less money into fast foods, into an association with alcohol, um, worse healthcare, worse um, association with medical. And all of a sudden you're seeing a big divide. And the reason I'm talking about this is you have a choice as a property investor to invest. And the suburb with the McDonald's and the KFC and the Hungry Jacks is going to be cheaper than the suburb with the organic markets. Your job is to find an emerging suburb or a property which you can afford in a place which is going towards megatrends. Megatrends being climate change, megatrends being wellness, megatrends being longevity, megatrends being, uh, you know, the idea around urbanization. Where is the spatial change going to accelerate my wealth the fastest? And again, it's so easy as it's a cop out these days to go and buy a shitter in a suburb that is just, you know, mathematically it works on paper but you're not drilling down into spatial economics. Now, there are three real nudges which I'm seeing unfold inside society. I mentioned these before. Urbanites, they want doorstep real estate. They want to walk out their door and be part of the action. Urban coastliners, these people want to live on the beaches. They want to uh, control some of the best seaside real estate in some of the best parts of our urban cities. They want to live on the coast. They want to live on the bay. They want to move to that small surf town which has good digitalization and an airport. And we're getting the urban tree changes. They want to live next to the cool parks, the green open space, the uh, national park, or they want to move to some of these semi-rural pockets of society. Again, this is led by the people with money driving change, right? Driving the idea of spatial change. And again, are real estate markets actually going up or is it spatial change markets which are going up. And I think it's fair to say that people are rediscovering their love with suburbs' natural benefits. If a suburb has a natural benefit or it interfaces with things like active transport, which is just the idea that you do not have to get on a train and go for two hours to get home, you can literally um, grab a bicycle and or an electric scooter and zoom home. This is a new way of living. 
Anyone who's, I guess, had a go on those Lime scooters in certain cities around Australia, they are fun and many people maybe try it once, but for a lot of people, it is becoming a way of life. That's how they now move. They are active. They are actually part of the way society is working. It's a functionality. It is actually a spatial change. They've created their own uh, transportation system. And again, people are wanting to live like that because you're waking up and you're going scootering. You're not waking up and hating life, getting on a bus that you want to shoot yourself in the leg. That is the complete difference of what is unfolding. Remember, the big changes are urbanites wanting doorstep real estate, coastliners or sea change or urban beaches or urban tree change. These are the big things unfolding. We often talk about this thing called location, location, location in real estate. And I think sometimes everyone has a difference of opinion of what a good location is. And for me, it is just about having this mission fit dynamic, access to good jobs, access to good schools, parks, beaches, public amenities, pools, walkable services, transport, active transport, areas which are geographically significant, areas which have great landscaping, treescaping or cityscapes, uh, low crime rate, distinctive, visually appealing real estate marketplaces and with citizens that want to have a higher social status. This is, again, the great spatial redistribution of society. All of a sudden, people are confirming the megatrend, which is COVID-19 is not going to stop urbanization. It's simply going to make people rediscover where they really want. Mission Fit Real Estate is designed around megatrends. And when you think about what is unfolding, I think newer properties in old established high-performing suburbs are a great bet for property investors. There is a real renaissance unfolding with the active inner ring of our cities and middle ring of our cities, as well as those tree C change marketplaces unfolding. And I know about a year ago when uh, the coronavirus hit and a lot of people decided to take the 40 grand that the government was throwing out to go do a first home, um, you know, the conversation piece was about, you know, you know, just getting it at all costs. And for many property investors and first home owners, that money has been used and and has and has allowed them to do something they could not otherwise have ever dreamed of. What surprised me about the $25,000 building boost coupled with some state government grants is just how much inequality is real in Australia. That people needed the $40,000 or thereabouts to get into the market in the first place. What that basically taught me was that the mega trend of inequality is even more real. And yes, for a time, people were going so far out of the city to build their dream home. 
but what is true and what seems to be even more valuable. And when we look at the capital growth figures, the market is booming in renaissance real estate areas. Sea change, tree change, urban change, middle ring, active inner, it is all ticking a lot of boxes. I particularly like newer properties in older suburbs. Why? Because they are connected to the mega trends that are unfolding around society. Remember, a mega trend is just what consumers want. So buying something which is more connected with climate change as a property investment is smart to me. Buying real estate, understanding the inequality divide is smart to me. Understanding where the knowledge workers of tomorrow are going to be is smart to me. If a mega trend is technology, I want to know where the jobs are around that. That is smart to me. If spatial distribution is what people will want, well, I want to bet on what they want, which is well-being areas, the Byron Bay effect. I'm just doing it in an urban landmass because urbanization is still a mega trend. And as people live longer, these areas are simply going to become more and more valuable. As such, I think, uh, you know, there is still a reason to buy in high-performing cities close to high-performing CBDs or in the renaissance of the middle ring of our cities and or those coastal and urban forests. They are absolutely the places to own real estate today. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed tuning in today to the Urban Property Investor. Uh, If you feel like leaving me a review, um, please do. I hope you enjoyed the conversation around megatrends and spatial change in real estate. Sam Saggers, signing off. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.